Morning Twitter. Michael Cohen just walked into the hearing room, and so did we. <laughs> I'm Saeed Jones. He is Isaac Fitzgerald. Welcome to another day of chaos. You're watching AM to DM. That's right. Michael Cohen is about to testify before the House Oversight Committee. You care, and so do we. So we'll be dipping into the hearing this morning, keeping a live feed of it right over here somewhere, I believe. Wait, and it's talking- really hard to do that. I got it. You got it? You got uh, it? You know. You kind of got it? it? And we'll also be talking to BuzzFeed News DC Bureau <laughs> Chief Kate Nocera as much as we need to. Right, that's right. You can see Cohen uh, taking his seat and everything right there. But before we go to Kate, we did want to hear from you, right? Uh, his prepared remarks hit the timeline late last night. I know everybody's been going through it, highlighting. I woke up this morning like, oh, I'm alert now. Okay, so we wanted to hear from you. What did you think about his prepared remarks? Was there a part where you were like, this is stunning? Let us know using the hashtag. Remember when Trump made fun of veterans? Yeah. That happened. All right. Well, as promised, BuzzFeed News DC Bureau Chief Kate Nocera joins us now. Kate, good morning. Morning. Hi. All right. I want to start with this tweet from BuzzFeed News. Michael Cohen plans to tell Congress he lied to them after Trump told him in his way to conceal negotiations to build a Trump Tower in Moscow. So, Kate, what exactly does Cohen say about this in his prepared remarks? Yeah, he says that Trump never directly said the words, please lie to Congress, but he told him in myriad other ways to lie to Congress, that that the way Trump spoke, the way Trump lied about it, Michael Cohen interpreted that as that he needed to also lie to Congress. And then he also said that Trump's personal lawyers looked at the statement that he was going to give to Congress and approved it. And so for all of these reasons, Michael Cohen believes in his heart of hearts that Trump directed him to lie to Congress the last time he was there testifying. Okay, so that, of course, is a big detail and I'm sure will be a huge part of today's hearings, but there's a lot. Um, you know, he refers to the president as a, a racist and a con man, for example. So I wanted to ask you, what were some of the other takeaways um, from his prepared remarks? Yeah, Michael Cohen is laying it all out there, like with, not kidding, there's a lot of fireworks in this. I think one of the biggest takeaways, one of the biggest pieces of news that we're going to see in this testimony is that Michael Cohen will testify that Trump was in, he was in the room when Trump got a call from Roger Stone, his, you know, former longtime associate, to tell him that Roger Stone was aware that WikiLeaks would uh, drop the DNC email soon, and Trump said, oh, you know, okay, that's great. While there's no, you know, proof for that, this is what Michael Cohen is asserting, that is a huge assertion. Um, and that is something that Trump has denied for a long time, that he knew anything about uh, the WikiLeaks document dumps. I mean, there's also all kinds of stuff um, in the testimony about the payments. Uh, Michael Cohen has brought the receipts to Congress, literally, uh, you know, pictures of checks that he got from the Trump organization um, that he, you know, were part of of hush money and part of, you know, covering up uh, the affair with Stormy Daniels. So uh, there is a lot in there. We're going to be covering it all day over on BuzzFeed News. Emma Loop is in the room currently, and we have other reporters running around the hill to to talk about this. But um, there are some, you know, there are some assertions in there that are very serious and that Congress is going to have a lot of questions, a lot of follow-up questions about. Yeah. Kate, one quick question before we let you go. Uh, just You've been following this story for so long. Are you surprised that Cohen is, as you just put it, really laying it all out there? Um, I, he sort of has nothing to lose at this point. I mean, he is 
sentenced to go to jail. Uh, he says in his testimony, you know, that I'm a, I'm a changed man. I want to be free uh, from this, from, from my lies. And, uh, he, there, you know, there's nothing else for him really to gain by doing this. He is already sentenced to jail. And so uh, he is saying that he is doing this to really clear his conscience. Okay, um, we just got uh, some news from our producers who are listening. Mark Meadows, a Republican from uh, the state of North Carolina, just moved to postpone the hearing uh, because he said the testimony was received late. We will get to that uh, in a moment. But I did want to ask you, Kate, um, about the president's read thus far on all of this. Uh, last night, he uh, tweeted this, presumably in response to the prepared remarks. Michael Cohen was one of many lawyers who represented me, unfortunately. He had other clients also. He was just disbarred by the state Supreme Court for lying and fraud. He did bad things unrelated to Trump. That's third person. Uh, he is lying in order to reduce his prison time time using Crooked's lawyer. Um, so this detail about, you know, Michael Cohen is uh, not credible because whatever he's saying today is just a bid to reduce his prison sentence seems pretty key. Uh, is that accurate, though? So, I mean, he's already been sentenced to prison. So there, you know, there's not much else that can happen there. I, I think that what you're going to see from Trump and Trump allies is they are going to paint Michael Cohen as a liar because Michael Cohen was a liar for a long time. I mean, that is true. Michael Cohen bringing actual documents to Congress is also crucial because he knows what his reputation is, right? He knows that he's been out there lying for Trump for basically a decade. So he knows that he has a credibility problem, and that's why I think you're going to see him, you know, bring receipts. That's why he he is he's he wants to he wants to testify. He does. He really doesn't have much to lose except Trump attacking him. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Kate, for joining us. I know you have a very busy day ahead <laughs> of you. Thanks. All right. Um, I have a tweet here from uh, NYC Southpaw. Uh, Representatives Jim uh, Jordan and Mark Meadows, uh, who are in uh, this committee hearing, they're already trying to basically hijack the proceedings from the get-go. That's what NYC Southpaw, they basically are trying to delay the hearing by saying that the testimony arrived too late. Um, so we'll see how that Pans out. We'll see if that bid works. And because here's the thing, we are going to have Kate right back on the show. We're kind of like letting her go, watch the hearings for a little bit, but we want to hear more of her analysis. Yeah. So we'll have her back on when we go live from the district. But right now, we want to talk about a story we didn't want you to miss. Right. Uh, Axios reporter Caitlin Owens tweeted this. Thousands of allegations of sexual abuse against unaccompanied minors in the custody of the U.S. government have been reported over the past four years, including allegations of staff on minor abuse. Caitlin joins us now. Caitlin, hello. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I'm, I'm just going to start with the gut reaction I had when I saw your story. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I, I saw those documents, I guess it was two nights ago now, and I had a pretty similar reaction. It was, it was tough to kind of wrap my mind around. Absolutely. So uh, it is, it's difficult to wrap in mind, both the scale and also four years, right? That is, that's a significant detail as well. What do we know about these allegations at this point? I mean, not much. So we have the number of allegations. This has been um, recorded by, by HHS because that's where the documents came from. And then we have some details about the allegations kind of in the first half of this time frame. 
Um, and if I mean they're they're on our website. If you read through the documents, it's it's some disturbing stuff, you know. And it ranges. It ranges from kind of like rumors about relationships between staff and minors, and then you know some some more disturbing um, allegations here. And then you know we also know that some staff were terminated over this, and um, you know in some cases there was no evidence found or it wasn't investigated. Um, you know, so their bottom line is there's a lot of questions that remain. Absolutely. There's a lot of questions that remain. Do we know if there's going to be any action taken? And, and how did you get your hands on these documents? So I got it directly from um, a representative's office who is on the House Judiciary Committee. Um, and this was just part of a document dump, they were saying. So um, HHS, I guess they are investigating the, the family separation at the border. And so HHS sent over a bunch of different documents, hard copy documents, um, and so this was kind of embedded within, I think they were saying they were getting like 700 pages of hard copy documents a week and they just found this in there. Um, and so then they passed it along to us. Wow. Um, at, at this point, I know you said it's very early and there are so many questions, but again, thousands of, of, of children. Um, do we have any sense of, of the kind of allegations uh, that are detailed in these documents? Right. So like I said, I mean, it's all over the board. So first of all, we need to separate. So the Office of Refugee Resettlement, which is part of HHS, this is where the bulk of the allegations are made. Um, I think it's about 40, it is about 4,500 of them that have been recorded, according to HHS. And the vast majority of those, we don't have many details about. And so some of those allegations, um, you know, we're, we're not even sure if it's a funnel or if it's an addition allegations were made to DOJ. Um, but there's also allegations made to DOJ, um, about 1,300 of those. Those might overlap with the ORR ones, they may not. Um, and then of those, we just have details about the staff on minor allegations that were made. So we really only have information about a very small chunk of these allegations. Uh, the, the place my mind went to is, is how has the story kind of gone underreported for this long? We're talking about so many allegations, as you keep saying, but and also for years. Um, how, how has this not made bigger news in the past? Right. I mean, obviously, the first thing I did was Google search this to be like, you know, kind of the same question as you had. Um, and I know ProPublica has done some awesome reporting just based on um, the allegations made to law enforcement. But as that was happening, obviously, there's all these that are being reported by the federal government. So um, I don't I don't know how this has gone under wraps. I'm like, I mean, this was just, like I said, it was embedded in a major document dump by HHS to the Hill. Um, and we just didn't know about it until now. Right. Well, and it's been four years, as we said, you know, this is not just. This is a Trump administration thing where now we're adding to the, the numbers of these kids that are in these facilities through the family separation policy. But this also was going on for a long time under Obama. So this is a systemic issue. Yeah, that's a systemic issue and it raises questions for both uh, presidential administrations. Uh, right. Caitlin, uh, we're getting started with the story, as you noted. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you. All right, friends, here's an update before we go to break. We have a tweet from the New York Times. North Carolina Representative Mark Meadows has said that Michael Cohen intentionally held back his Cohen, uh, testimony and broke committee rules. He moved to postpone the hearing. Uh, the, the panel has voted against that postponement. Um, so the chair, as we understand it, of this committee uh, has just started speaking. So we are going to be joining that in just a few minutes. So that was kind of like an attempt at a block, oh, and the uh, attempt failed. Yeah, but it's clear, as people are noting on the timeline, that probably 
absolutely nothing today is going to go smoothly or easily. Everything throughout this day um, is going to be a lot of back and forth between Democrats and Republicans. And we'll be keeping an eye on it the whole time. We've got another great show for you. Uh, and like we're saying right here, we are going to have Kate Nocera back on to keep an eye on the Cohen testimony. Uh, and up next, though, we're going to take a little bit of a break, a little bit of joy. It's Fire Tweets. Are we? <laughs> Welcome back to hell. Okay, we have a tweet here from Softy38. Uh, you tweeted, I have already had to mute the committee hearing with Michael Cohen. Listening to Representative Mark Meadows yelling at 10 a.m. does not spark joy. And it's important to Fair. know that about yourself. Fair, absolutely. <laughs> and that's why we're making space for fire tweets. Right, Listen, right. if something happens, we've got our producers. Right. They're watching the testimony. Absolutely. We will break in. We're going to go live from the district yeah. in just a moment. But if let's you, Yeah, if you see me looking at my phone, I'm not on Grindr. I'm, I'm trying to follow the hearing. He's on Grindr. I'm Damn it, that was the better joke. <laughs> okay, let's get to these fire <laughs> tweets. This first one comes from Dreadful E. Instead of anti-vaxxers, we should call them plague enthusiasts. Ooh. I mean, that's a good tweet, but it's also true. Yeah, are you in the mood for some botulism? That's some measles? <laughs> Bring on the black death. Did you, did you hear the story about people? I believe it was um, a country in the Caribbean. There's a measles outbreak because, like, a French family, their kid not vaccinated, mm. and showed up on vacation, and I was like, good lord! The French, y'all haven't even finished your first round of colonialism, okay? <laughs> and y'all out here being like, want a blanket? Uh, like, go! Jesus! Go and vaccinate your children! I'm into this rebrand. Plague I, enthusiast, I'm gonna use, I'm uh, gonna start using yes, that. Yes, I like it, plague enthusiast. Plague You're nasty. All right. <laughs> Miss Keisha tweeted, I don't have Uber. That's no problem, because I'll happily wait for you to download the app. <laughs> mm, I felt red by that tweet. Uh, I do have it now, but I feel like there was a time in our relationship you where you had to do that. You quite would also a bit. do the like, I don't have Venmo. I was about to. Say, that's yeah. exactly where I was going <laughs> you know next. What I'm I was you like, I was like, also yeah. Venmo, late adapter, or just doesn't want to pay for shit. You decide. There it is. Can I borrow your phone charger? <laughs> how, how much you got? How much energy you got? That's all in that same um, family. All right, this next tweet comes from the wonderful Kimberly Drew. No idea what Solange is cooking up, but I'm doing my stretches anyway. Mm. Same. Same so, so what, explain that to me a little I bit. I have no idea what Solange is cooking. I mean, you there know, there were I, pictures. She, there, there was. I think she she took over the site Black Planet, which okay. was like one of a very early uh, like yeah. black focused social media sites. Uh, I wasn't. I was too. I think I was like kind of too young at the mm -hmm. time to be on it. Um, like older cousins were. Um, but so she's taking it over. I think there's photos, some video, beautiful photo shoot mm -hmm. came out. Really great images. Shout out to the Black Yeehaw movement. We get that. Um, um, yeah, so I, I'm presuming an album's coming out soon. Soon? I'm so excited. I'm uh, ready. I'm I'll tell you that's a lot. I don't know what the hell you're doing, but I'm ready to receive the blessing. I feel like I've been ready since the last album came out. True. All right. True. <laughs> the Horse Whisperer tweeted, if Cohen was testifying every day, I might actually be a morning person. Wide awake. Listen. That's, listen. We, I, we we did not need an extra cup of coffee. Th truly, my sleeping mask was still up on my forehead this morning at six six oh one a.m. and I was in bed. Interestingly, thank you to Franklin Leonard who created the blacklist. He had he uh, screenshot every page of the prepared remarks, and it was his Instagram story. Uh -huh. And I was like, wow, like technology, news, social. I was like, here, I was like, uh huh, swipe, 
<laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Racist remarks about black people in Chicago. Okay, G, SAT scores. Wait, what a time, friends. What a time. I mean, I'm glad you brought the SAT score. Because there's a lot of real news happening today. But oh, bitch, I want those SAT oh, scores. God, I want them. <laughs> I want those SAT scores so right. bad. So bad, says the guy who almost failed the math section on the ACT. You know, hey. I'm here. I love your truth. I'm here. I, I love your myself. truth. Let's do Tweet of the Day. All right, ready? Yeah. It comes from Alice Wetterland. Alice tweeted, me in hell. I was told there would be a special place for me. <laughs> that is it. That is, that is, I, I tweeted this earlier, but I was like, well, I learned two things from this tweet. One, um, Alice is, uh, you know, a time traveler mm, and has been mm, to the future mm. and back. And two, in the future, I'm obviously going to hell because she overheard what I said. Because that is actually what she said. I was like, oh, hello. Said. Really? Oh, is this? Is it, is it, oh, this where's, where's the Saeed room? Does it oh, have a patio? I was told is there would be champagne. <laughs> okay. Coming up, we are going to talk with Brian Tong, host of BuzzFeed News' new game show, Outside Your Bubble. But up next, we are going into the bubble. We are going to live from the district to talk more Cohen. Okay, I'm like, yeah, your right. notification or news about the hearing. You a little said bit of both. Rough. Continuity. Welcome back to All Things Cohen. Also, we have heard <laughs> Russia is on the table. Originally, congressmen had been encouraged not to ask mm -hmm. about Russia. And now Russian tea is being served, darling. Russian tea will be served at the hearing. So we're going live from the district with BuzzFeed News DC Bureau Chief Kate Nocera. Kate, welcome back. I'm back. You're back. All right, so <laughs> what did you learn from your brief break? What is the latest from the Cohen hearing? <laughs> Yeah, uh, so Republicans used a, a stall tactic where they tried to object to the hearing even starting. But since Democrats are in the majority, uh, they voted that down. The hearing has begun. Elijah Cummings, who is the chairman of the committee, said, you know, the, the, the time to protect the president is over. The committee is fully going to investigate this. The American people can judge for themselves the credibility of Michael Cohen. Right now, uh, Jim Jordan, who is the ranking member, close ally of President Trump, uh, is speaking and talking, as we said before, about how Michael Cohen is a liar, that he is going to jail for lying, and why would anyone trust what he is saying now? Okay. So uh, everything is going exactly as we predicted, but this is just opening statement time. Question and answer time is when things tend to get a little crazy. Okay, so that's If they aren't enough. crazy enough for you. And if they aren't crazy enough, right. Like, yeah. this is still kind of the, the, the warm-ups, and it's already feeling a little heated, but you're like, just get ready, girl. Um, I, I wanted to ask you strategically, uh, from the perspective of Republicans, I think we know what Democrats are going to do, but from the perspective of Republicans, is the credibility uh, gambit like the only strategy they, they really have today? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the big one. They're also pointing out that Lanny Davis was a lawyer of Hillary Clinton's, that, the, you know, the whole thing is tainted. It's all going back to the same lines we've heard over and over again that, uh, you know, Michael Cohen is not credible, uh, as Trump likes to say, he's a rat, um, and that, you know, there's no reason the American public should, should believe him. Cool, 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 cool. Well, uh, here's a tweet from John Cooper uh, from earlier this morning. Breaking, the Democratic coalition will be filing a House ethics complaint against GOP Congressman Matt Gates today uh, for his tweet yesterday threatening Michael Cohen. We believe that his actions warrant removal from Congress. It was unforgivable. The DOJ will be copied on our filing. Like, okay, so it's like, 
So much has already happened. Um, but I did see this unfold yeah. yesterday. Who's Matt Gates? What did he say? Why is it already such a big problem? Matt Gates is another ally of, you guessed it, Donald Trump. Uh, he is a congressman from Florida. Uh, he tweeted, you know, Michael Cohen, I hope you're something to the effect of, I, I hope you've told your wife about your girlfriends because we're going to be hearing about it tomorrow. That is not a direct quote. But uh, he, he basically implied that Michael Cohen was having affairs and they would be discussing it in the hearing today. Where he got this information, no one knows. He says that he was not threatening. He's just saying, you know, maybe it'll come up. I don't know. Uh, but it certainly appeared to be a threat. The uh, Anyone can file, you know, an ethics complaint, but it is really very unlikely to go anywhere in the House. And Gates actually did delete the tweet last night after Speaker Nancy Pelosi called him out on Twitter for it. He said, I don't want it to be misinterpreted. It's not a threat. That's not what it was. And deleted the tweet. So, yeah, things off to a great start yesterday. Um, we'll see how much everyone can contain themselves today. Okay, we will see. Um, to the going to guess not a lot. <laughs> not a lot. It's not so, a lot. I'm sorry. It's just so messy. Like that oh, yeah. right there. Like I know, and a lot yeah. of people are throwing this out, kind of like mob language, mm -hmm. this kind of thinly veiled threats thing. Mm -hmm. But one could also take it another direction. It's just so high school. Yeah. Just like, well, Brittany, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna tell about this, 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 and this. Yeah. It's like it's pretty it's, messy. DC's so messy. Yeah. And we see Michael Cohen raising his hand to take the oath right now. I just want to ask one more yeah. question before we get to North Korea. That's also happening. Um, I see a lot of people on the timeline talking about Jim Jordan. You mentioned him already but can you kind of remind us who is Jim Jordan? Uh, how did he get to Capitol Hill? Because there's an interesting story there. Sure, Jim Jordan is a Republican congressman from Ohio. Uh, Tea Party guy came in, I believe in 2010, you know, in the sort of swept in in the anti-Obama GOP era, era and was a, really a lead instigator uh, against the Obama administration and the Clintons, and now finds himself uh, as one of you know the the top ally and spokespeople for the president on Capitol Hill. I mean, there's a reason he's sitting in the oversight ranking member seat. Uh, Republicans want him there because he is the guy that will fight for Donald Trump at all costs. Okay, so it seems like we'll be hearing a lot from him today. But let's talk about We sure North will. Korea. Yeah, let's talk about North Korea. Here's a reminder yeah. that we live in the reality of Trump flattering Kim Jong-un from the Wall Street Journal's Jonathan Chang. Donald Trump, and this is a quote, your country has tremendous economic potential, unbelievable, unlimited. I look forward to watching it happen and to helping it to happen and we will help it to happen. Mm. Kate, obviously a lot is happening on the Hill, but I gotta ask, what is happening in Hanoi? Yeah, Donald Trump is doing the second summit with Kim Jong-un, the dictator of North Korea. Uh, it's unclear if they've made any kind of deal. You know, Trump is trying to work towards denuclearization. It's unclear if uh, Chairman Kim Jong-un is agreeing to any of that. Uh, at this point, but they really do seem to like each other, be pals, so he's just going to flatter the North Korean uh, dictator on the world stage uh, the same day his former lawyer is testifying uh, in front of Congress that he, that, that Trump, you know, told him to obstruct justice.
So it's quite They're a split screen. Love letters to each other. Right, and to that point, I mean, yeah. my understanding is that the intention of the summit is to prevent nuclear annihilation. Uh, but to the point of the tweet Isaac read earlier, uh, is there also like, why is he flattering? Why do this? Like, why? Why flatter Kim Jong-un in this way? Is he trying to be nice to him? So it's like, please don't, like, you know, launch a nukes? Or as people have noted in the past, is this he, a bid for business? I think he legitimately likes him, you know? Like, he's like, oh, it seems like you got, like, a good thing going there in North Korea. I mean, he's not, he, like, they've, they've written these quote-unquote beautiful letters back and forth to each other. Um, the, the, the summit, it's really unclear what the point is. I mean, I guess the, the point is to try to denuclearize North Korea, right? And to make that part of the world a safer place. But it's really unclear what Kim Jong-un is going to give up, if he's going to give up anything, or if this is little more than just a photo op. I mean, this was, they, they had dinner together and American reporters started shouting questions at Donald Trump and, and, the Americans kicked out a good number of American reporters until there was just a single American reporter uh, there for the pool spray, which is just a weird message to send when you're in front of, you know, an authoritarian, brutal dictator. Yeah, choices are being made. Uh, well, Kate, thank you so much for joining us twice this morning. I know you didn't get a lot of sleep last night preparing no problem. for all of this. Good luck today. Thanks very much. All right, friends, uh, up next, uh, we're going to be playing a round of Outside Your Bubble with BuzzFeed News game show host Brian Tong. He is such a delight. Uh, but before we go to that, we did want to uh, listen in on Cohen's uh, remarks just for a moment. Colleges and the college board not to release his grades or SAT scores. I hope my appearance here today, my guilty plea, and my work with law enforcement agencies are steps along a path of redemption that will restore faith in me and help this country understand our president better. And before going further, I want to apologize to each member to use Congress as a whole. The last time I appeared before Congress, I came to protect Mr. Trump. Today, I am here to tell the truth about Mr. Trump. I lied to Congress when Mr. Trump stopped negotiating the Moscow Tower project in Russia. I stated that we stopped negotiating in January of 2016. That was false. Our negotiations continued for months later during the campaign. Mr. Trump did not directly tell me to lie to Congress. That's not how he operates. In conversations we had during the campaign, at the same time I was actively negotiating in Russia for him, he would look me in the eye and tell me there's no Russian business and then go on to lie to the American people by saying the same thing. In his way, he was telling me to lie. There were at least a half a dozen times between the Iowa caucus in January of 2016 and the end of June when he would ask me, how's it going in Russia? Referring to the Moscow Tower project. You need to know that Mr. Trump's personal lawyers reviewed and edited my statement to Congress 
about the timing of the Moscow Tower negotiations before I gave it. So to be clear, Mr. Trump knew of and directed the Trump-Moscow negotiations throughout the campaign and lied about it. He lied about it to win. He also lied about it because he stood to make hundreds of millions of dollars on the Moscow real estate project. And so I lied about it too. Because Mr. Trump had made clear to me, through his personal statements to me, that we both knew to be false, and through his lies to the country, that he wanted me to lie. And he made it clear to me because his personal attorneys reviewed my statement before I gave it to Congress. Over the past two years, I have been smeared as a rat by the President of the United States. The truth is much different. And let me take a brief moment to introduce myself. My name is Michael Dean Cohen, and I am a blessed husband of 24 years and a father to an incredible daughter and son. When I married my wife, I promised her that I would love her, I would cherish her, and I would protect her. As my father said countless times throughout my childhood, you, my wife, and you, my children, are the air that I breathe. So to my Laura, and to my Sammy, and to my Jake, there's nothing I wouldn't do to protect you. I have always tried to live a life of loyalty, friendship, generosity, and compassion. It's qualities my parents ingrained in my siblings and me since childhood. My father survived the Holocaust thanks to the compassion and selfless acts of others. He was helped by many who put themselves in harm's way to do what they knew was right. Always bring their wife and kids into mm. it when they fuck up on Capitol Hill. Mm. I'll be at home like, look, Dad. Mm. I- <laughs> this ain't got shit to do with me, dude. Mm. <laughs> That's it. I mean, there, there have been threats. Like there has, there was that tweet yesterday. Like I understand where he's coming from, bringing it up. But obviously that's us reacting. I don't know if you guys are keeping up with the testimony. Let us know. Using the hashtag aim to dm Are you watching it? Are you watching it through the show? Are you waiting to hear the news afterwards? Let us know. But right now, we're going to take a little moment and welcome the delightful yes, Brian delightful. Tong, host of BuzzFeed <laughs> News Game Show, Outside Your Bubble. God damn it. Delightful? So Y'all say delightful? Oh, I said I like that. delightful. With a big D. With a, What's up, guys? A big old D. Hi. Why are you I, laughing, Sai? Why are you already cracking up like that, bro? You are so charming. I just feel like we got to keep you out on the West Coast as far as we can <laughs> away from D.C. So you can just look at you got your purple light. Keep them pure. Keep them pure. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, listen, Outside Your Bubble's already been a big hit. How have the first two episodes gone so far? I mean, it's been great. The reception we've had has been amazing. Again, like you said, it's only been two episodes. We've obviously had some help with another killer show called Confetti that has let us in. But, you know, just basically BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed News, putting it out there. And because we're like a different, we're not just a straight up trivia show. We have two contestants. It's like you're watching a game show that people are playing while you're playing. So it, it creates this kind of crazy dynamic. I mean, it's it's a blast. You know, this is like one of those like dream come true opportunities. So I'm just having fun with it. Cool. A three-way play. A three-play way. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> like to say it, anything. Like here, like right here. Ah! 
not just like this right here. Do you see what I'm doing? Do you see what I'm doing? All right, listen. We're going to play a round of In Your Opinion. One of the games you play on this show, how does it work? Okay, so basically we have two people from two different worlds, and we're trying to, as the audience and as the viewers, figure out how much they kind of know about each other. Now, in our show, they're totally strangers. You guys are a little closer than strangers, but we're going to still see how well you both know each other in our little in in your opinion type of thing. Oh, I love this. Oh, this is it's, it's, I love this is kind of fun. This is like more like a couple thing right now. You guys are like a work edge. couple. Ooh, this is okay. Injected into my veins. <laughs> I love this. Okay, Brian, take it away. I'm so excited about this game. Also, um, just to show the kids at home, we still use old school paper and pencil to keep tally of who's getting the right answers. Okay. I like that's it's how you a, keep from getting hacked. It's a tool called paper and pencil. Okay. <laughs> All right, here we go. This first question is going out to you, Saeed. Okay. Buckle up. Who was Isaac's favorite singer growing up? A. Whitney Houston. B. Billy Joel. C. John Bon Jovi. Process of elimination. It wasn't Whitney Houston. Uh, oh, that's too bad. Uh, that's too bad. I'm, I thought you were my friend, focused. Isaac. Let me focused. Billy Joel? B? The correct answer is B, Billy Joel. Oh, <laughs> nice job. Thank Good testing. Thanks. He started the fire, baby. It All was right, the only tape my parents had. Oh, okay. That's so great. it was kind of by default. Okay. See, I okay, learned okay. when we did all those road trips, we talked about music so much because all the music playlists. That's how you got See, it. like I said, y'all a work couple, all right? Let's see. <laughs> so that's one, one for Saeed. All right, there you go. Okay, here we go. Number two, this one's for uh, Isaac. In Saeed's opinion, who is the best person to follow on Twitter? Ooh. Is it A, Jabuki Young White, B, Roxanne Gay, or C, Bolu Babalola? Okay, so this is one of those things where they put the, they put it on the test. It's maybe too easy. You get in your head a little bit, but I'm gonna follow my instincts. Get in my head. I know you love all of these, mm -hmm. I do. but I know you also like helping out like folks that maybe don't have the biggest following. I'm gonna say Bolu. Damn it! Dang, he's already AKA yeah. Gabs. <laughs> Woo! Wow. Okay, we're tied one one. That you is correct. Totally the answer is Bolu Babalola. Yeah. All right. We love you, Bolu. All right. <laughs> I know you guys are all competitive too. This is fun. All right, here we go. Number three. This one's for you, Saeed. Okay. What is Isaac's favorite fast food Taco restaurant? Bell. Is it A, Shake Shack, B, Dairy Queen, C, Taco Bell? Taco Bell. You want to you lock in with that answer? It Absolutely. <laughs> it's Taco Bell. And if it's not, I'm going to be really mad at you. He said he's wanted well, to get married at Taco Bell. You are going to be really mad. The answer is A, Shake Shack. Shake <laughs> Yes. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I knew this was going to get you mad. I didn't say fancy Taco Bell. It doesn't say fancy Taco If it was fancy Taco Bell, of course. The fancy Taco Bell where they serve booze, absolutely. But if we're talking straight up just fast food, it's got to be Shake I, I'm sorry. I am mad at you. I just I didn't. wanted to get married at Taco Bell. I'm sorry. At, at, fancy. at fancy Taco Bell. Uh, I'm sorry I did that to you, though. I, wow. I'm, I'm sorry. Wow. There's, there's a lot of, there's, you know, that that was probably one of the most emotional responses you guys have had so far. I mean, there's a lot of fire behind that one. <laughs> You're right. It's spicy. All right. Oh, so it is good at this. spicy. All right, here we go. Number four. This one's for Isaac. Who was Saeed's favorite AM to DM guest? Is it A, Angela Bassett, B, Nicole Byer, or C, Miss Patty LaBelle? I know you, again, same, same thing. A lot, of, a lot of options here. But I, man, I know you love that sit down with Patty, but I gotta go. I gotta go with Angela Bassett. Damn it! You got you got to I mean, go with yay. the Queen A. Angela Bassett. <laughs> you know this. You know this. Yeah. 
All right. You can still Isaac's get up, it back. Isaac's up two get, one, man. Don't get uninvested okay just because you're losing. Don't get uninvested just because you're losing. Come on. So angry okay. at him. Okay. So site right now you have basically this is your chance to this basically tie up. Uh, yeah, you got to tie Woo. up, and then Isaac's got to mess up again. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. And uh, here we go. <laughs> In Isaac's opinion. What is the best candy of all time? Is it A, Reese's Pieces, B, Twix, or C, Snickers? Oh, God. I genuinely don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm really just going to have to guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, just this means me a lot. This means down. a lot. Like, I'm going to be this shit. I was trying to, like, see if you give, give a, a tell. Uh, I'm taking a guess. Uh, Twix? You want to you want to lock in with that one? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm supposed to look at the eyes. The correct answer is A. Reese's uh, really? Yeah. I just didn't know. I mix it in with the popcorn. That's oh, I, I do know that. I don't eat a lot of candy, but That's when I do, right. I mix it in with the popcorn Dang. at the movie theater like a while. Doing it for the A. All right, just to finish <laughs> it up, just for fun, Isaac, just just to see if Isaac can go like perfect. Ooh, here we go. Yeah, this is your chance to go perfection. All right, Isaac. What is Saeed's favorite show on Netflix right now? Is it A, The Umbrella Academy, B, Russian Dollar, C, Siempre Bruja? I'm going to, listen, I know it changes all the time. It does. But the one you've been talking about the yeah. most recently Very is Russian easy. Doll. Yeah, yeah. That's really easy. Yeah. You want to lock in with that, Isaac? I'm locking in. The answer is B, Russian Doll. <laughs> it's Isaac so good. knows everything so good. about Saeed. <laughs> Like to, everything. To be fair, one of us kind of puts it all on the timeline. One of us keeps his cards a little close he to his is chest. An Aquarius. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, one keeps on the DL. It's like you really got to know me. The other one's like, hey, I'm gonna blast it out there for the world to see. That's true. That's true. Uh, well, that was. <laughs> I'm so mad at you, Brian. That was so great. Thank you. Thanks for joining me, y'all. Come back anytime for real. All right, outside your bubbles is live. Wednesdays and Thursdays at 10 p.m. Eastern. Go on Facebook right now to make sure you're following the show. Uh, log on and tune into plays on Facebook. Watch. It is a delight. The set is very fancy, and you can get money. I was gonna say, there's money. The there's back. money, and Brian's just a delight. Capital. Just a delight. Hey, hold on, real quick. The money thing. Uh huh. The first show. People that won walked away with over 600 bucks. Oh my God. This is a joke. Okay, T. The game is not easy. So if you win, you get that cash money, like we say, cash money. So who's paying me? It's only adorable when he does. No one. Who's paying You're me? You're getting no money. <laughs> All right. Up next, Isaac's going to be talking to you about the evolution of superheroes. But while, before that, we're going to go to break so I can like physically accost Isaac. Fancy Taco Bell. Super it's fancy. I can't believe it was, I, it was a, tr it was a bullshit. Welcome back. This is Awesomer Together, brought to you by the new Lego Movie 2 playsets, including this one of Emmett's Dreamhouse and Rescue Rocket. We have gotten a bunch of superhero content in the past few years, and while some of us are reveling in the nostalgia, myself included, and new storylines, imagine being a kid and being introduced to all of these characters for the very first time. Joining me now to discuss the superhero evolution and just how good kids today have it, is Susanna Polo, comics editor at Polygon. Good morning. Good morning. I love your wallpaper. <laughs> that is fantastic. All right, yeah. well, listen, Lainey tweeted, just saw Into the Spider-Verse, and honestly, it was amazing, and reminded me why Spider-Man was always one of my favorite superheroes growing up, and my favorite Marvel superhero. Uh, do you remember your first favorite superhero? 
Uh, my first favorite superhero is still my favorite superhero. I'm a Batman person, just uh, just really big, uh, which means that I also really enjoy the the interpretation of him in the Lego movies. Okay, so let me ask you this: Do you have you've got that that Batman? Is there any other Batman from like history? Do you have like a favorite Batman? Because there's so many different Batmans. Oh yeah, no, the Batman the animated series Batman. He's one of my favorites. Um, I really am really into the sort of Batman era where he had a whole, whole big family in Gotham City of all these different characters in like the early two thousands. But everybody loves you know the the version of their favorite superhero that was around when they first got into comics, and I'm no different. All right. So this is how's the super world hero world different for kids today? You're just, you know, talking about your childhood. Uh, how's it different today than from when you were growing up? I think the really big difference between comics, getting into comics today than getting into comics when I was getting into comics is that it's weird to look back on when I was getting into comics and go, well, there was no Wikipedia. There were no digital comics. If I wanted to read a comic that was old, I had to hope that it had maybe been reprinted in a trade paperback and that that trade paperback would be at my local library where the comics were on the same shelf with the how to draw books in the nonfiction section because libraries weren't making comic book sections yet. That's incredible. That, I, I hadn't even had that thought, but um, that's when like people would like pass you a comic book and you just, that's how you could get your hands on it because you couldn't find it online. A lot of places didn't have local comic book shops. So how do American comics reinvent themselves to focus on capturing kind of that young market? Well, American comics reinvent themselves almost every generation, about every 25 years. Um, you look at comics in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, and you can go back to the 70s and find um, comics that are clearly written by guys who are trying to reach a teenage audience they're not quite into, and they've heard about this, this generation gap thing, and they're trying to like appeal to like the hip, cool like youngsters these days. Um, and comics, they're always trying to come back to that, but we haven't, we've had this sort of weird period in modern comics from about the mid eighties onward, um, where after it's, this it gets complicated, but it, it, after sort of the comics stopped being available on newsstands and in local grocery stores and moved into specialty shops instead, um, comics kind of being able to buy a comic book with your pocket change was something that a lot of kids were not able to do anymore. Um, and then also coincided with an adult market for comic books opening up um, in a really big way. And comics, superhero comics in America have skewed like kind of towards an adult market for 20, 30 years now. Um, and is there's Marvel and DC are sort of trying, slowly trying, and, and doing a lot of things to try and pivot back to creating a kid audience. Um, outside of superheroes, there are a lot, there's a lot of sort of independent and um, book market graphic novels that are targeting kids because kids like to read comics. Um, but in the superhero world, that's sort of something that is still being figured out how we're pivoting back to that how they're going to figure that out. Well, Susanna, I will say, I feel like they figured out a little bit with Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I just want to plug it one more time because I love that film so, so much. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. All right, and now let's take it to the timeline. What is one superhero you love sharing with the kids in your life or one that you're excited to introduce, whether it be future children, future nieces and nephews? What's that one that you can't wait to pass on? Let us know using the hashtag am to dm Up next, Saeed is talking economic inequality with Brian Vines. 
Brick TV tweeted, touting a $1,800 a month studio apartment as affordable is exactly why we need to talk openly about income equality in our country. Um, at our next Be Her Town Hall, we're doing just that. Ryan Hurd, Ryan Vines, the host of Brick TV's Be Her Town Hall, the widening gap of economic inequality in New York City, joins me now. Good morning. Morning. I am so glad this town hall is happening tonight because so needed, as you noted. Um, let's just get into it. Why is the economic gap growing faster in urban areas like Brooklyn? for example. Well, Brooklyn might be the best sort of lab where you mm. see these things. We have income inequality that's out of control and mm. economic inequality as well, where mm. we get the benefits of some of the runover from Wall Street and the taxes, okay. but there's still more kids living in poverty than anywhere else in the city. So the statistics are really showing that tale of two cities that our mayor was talking about. Okay. Earlier this morning, there was a Rolling Stone uh, new issue that went out, and it features an interview with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And she talks, for example, she was like, listen, you know, people like to discount the fact that I worked in restaurants and I was a bartender. She's like, when you're in a restaurant, you are at the, the nexus of, of class and, and, and income inequality. And she noted like sexual harassment, race, all of that is happening at that. So what roles do gender and race play in this conversation about the gap? You can't overstate the role that gender and race play in this mm -hmm. thing. And we were very intentional to make this about economic inequality mm -hmm. versus income inequality. Right. Because as AOC knows, your income fluctuates based on the tips you make, based on the gig you get, but wealth is something that's different. And mm. its wealth is generational and Correct. passed on. And for so long, women and people of color have been locked out of this right. equation where wealth can be accumulated and passed on for generations. So it really can't be overstated when you're looking at childcare taking up $25,000 a year in New York City. That's more than 40% of people who are making the median income. Then you look at a place like Brooklyn where people are spending 50% of their money on rent. And if you look at rent and childcare, that's not a lot of percents that are left. Right, right. We know that most of the burden falls disproportionately on women mm -hmm. for taking care of children. And when they're still making 86% of what men doing the same jobs are making, that leaves no percent. You're in negatives. Right. So race and gender are continually running through this economic inequality strain. Right, right. And so knowing all of that, knowing, and, and I think you're so good for, you're like, listen, you can make as much money as you want in a year, but wealth is actually, you know, generational. Yeah. Knowing all of this, are you surprised um, by the persistence of phrases like, hey, pull yourself up by the bootstraps? Ivanka Trump, moments ago, mm. while her father's being exposed for who he is, mm. was just talking about the idea of universal basic income, where mm. people people want to work and earn what they get. They don't want to be given this sort of universal basic income. Mm. It demotivates. So she's pulling up on bootstraps that are non-existent. Mm. She was born with a legacy mm -hmm. that translates into cash. Mm -hmm. So she has no idea. And I think that she may, in some reason, have made herself the poster child for this silly idea about bootstraps. Mm -hmm. Another self-made millionaire. <laughs> there was this great study that came out where they looked at kids in urban areas in Arizona, 90% mm. kids of color, that found if they didn't believe in this myth of meritocracy, where you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps, the opportunities out there from grade six to grade eight, the kids who thought it was bullshit mm -hmm. did better. Mm. They got into less trouble, their self-esteem was better, they were on an achievement path. Wow. But kids who 
believed in that idea that I can work hard and be great, the two years after they started the study found that they were more likely to have had contact with the law, been on a bad track and found themselves at risk because the reality of America as it stands now is that that meritocracy myth is just that. Right. It's not just enough to work hard. Right. And so obviously, as you mentioned, for young people, for all of us, these kinds of conversations are so important and, and Brick is having the Be Heard Town Hall tonight. Yeah. Why are town halls uh, such a helpful uh, kind of space for these kinds of conversations? Most of the time, town halls aren't a helpful (laughs) space for these kinds of conversations. In the context of Brick and Be Heard, they are, because Mm. we center the voices of the people in our community. Mm -hmm. We have a bunch of experts, smartest people we could book for the evening Mm -hmm. in the seats. But the dialogue happens from the very beginning. We Mm. include the realness of people from Brooklyn. Mm. And when they show up, they show up fully in their experience. Mm -hmm. So they're there, and it really is an exchange. And it's a powerful, powerful thing when experience of experts meets the voices of people who are living the situations and not about facts and figures Mm. and degrees, but about their lived experience. Mm -hmm. That's important. Yeah, the reality. Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Again, friends, Brian will continue this important discussion at Brick TV's Be Heard Town Hall. That's tonight at the Brick House Ballroom in Brooklyn at 6.30 p.m. We will be sure to tweet out a link to the live stream. So even if you aren't there, you can be a part of this really important conversation. Up next, Isaac and I are going to read more of your tweets. Thank you, Brian. Welcome back. Okay, so Michael Cohen has finished his prepared remarks, and Representative Elijah Cummings, who's the chair of the Oversight Committee, has started asking questions. We're just going to keep following this throughout the day. I feel, I feel like everyone is going to follow this throughout the day. We're probably going to jump right on the timeline the second these cameras. I'm going to take a cameras. brief break. Oh, a brief break. <laughs> I'm going like, to take a moment to go sit somewhere, but then I'll be back on We stand self-care. Well done. <laughs> uh, Softy38, though, is committed to getting news this morning. This is my first double Ooh. screen morning with AM to DM and CNN. That's really, I mean, the thought of our lower thirds mm. and then CNN's lower thirds together, like, that's just a lot, honey. That's, that's a like, lot. It's what? like AM to DM. What the fuck is going on? CNN's testimony begins. Yeah, okay, girl. If you, if you can handle all that. I'm picturing the movie <laughs> Twins. Like, with, uh, like, what's, it, what's another, like, odd couple? Oh, CNN and Ooh. AM to DM get an apartment together. What happens next? Two roommates from two different worlds. Softy, I want to hear from you. Let, me, let us know how it went. Yeah, who's doing a better job? Oh. All right. Blazing <laughs> FMA had this to say about our In Your Opinion game with Brian Tong, who is just such a damn delight. Um, Isaac, high five for Shake Shack, and I feel you on, oh, it's called Taco Bell Cantina. I don't, I don't Taco see. Taco Bell Cantina. I don't hear anything that you're saying. I think it's called a fancy Taco Bell. Didn't you tell me you spent like six hours sitting in that one? Oh, I fucking love fancy Taco Bell. Don't get me wrong. Fancy Taco Bell forever. But man, let me tell you, regular Taco Bell, that's it. Once you've been to Fancy Taco Bell, how are you gonna go back? You get what I'm saying? I know. You've been to the I mountaintop, know. then they ask you to live in the valley. At the mountain. Oh my. <laughs> Thank you to our guests, Kate Nasser, Kaylin Owens, Brian Tong, <laughs> Susanna Polo, and Brian Vines. That was a wonderful conversation. Yes, it was really fun. Okay, my loves, we will be in Washington, D.C. tomorrow because that's exactly where I want to go right now. Uh, tomorrow's <laughs> AM to DM will be hosted by Sylvia O'Bell and Hayes Brown at 10 a.m. I'd say have a great rest of your day, but I think we all know it's going to be wild out here. So take care of yourself. Good luck. Yeah, just, you know, prayers up.